The following is a special encore presentation of Mance and Mitchell. Gary, Suzanne, and guests will be back in the studio again next Saturday at 10 a.m., so be sure to join us then for another edition of Mance and Mitchell right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Good morning! Morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a Saturday, and none of that would be possible, of course, unless we always have, as we do every Saturday, the Herculean efforts. I always like to say, this is the eighth labor of Hercules. It I'm is. talking about the dude, Michael Robert. He keeps us on air. How are you doing in your life, Michael? Hey, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Suzanne. Yeah, some Saturdays are definitely better than others. And uh, I got a feeling today is going to be one of those really good Saturdays. How about you? Sure, we're sure. going to make it that way. If only we had someone who was good at <laughs> motivating change in human behavior. Oh, if oh, only. interesting idea. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, I th- we're going to welcome today somebody who has been with us from the beginning, Gary, because this month yes. in March we celebrate t- 12 years on air, and our guest today came on air first time with us in July of 2007. This My month- history goes back before that. With Lauren. Well, that's true. But as far as being on our show, um, she came on in July of 07. We've been on air since March of 07. And this is her 15th visit today. She's been with us 15 times. Yes. That's that's, today. That's on. That's right. 15 is almost umpteen. Umpteen. Umpteen times. Let me give her her (laughs) mad props because we want to say hi to her. Lauren Archer is an author, speaker, hypnotherapist and certified health coach. She has created a full line of self-help audio programs and helped thousands of people overcome problem habits and addictions to establish healthier, happier lives. She's written several books. She has a new website. We're going to get all that information from Lauren. Welcome to Manson Mitchell. No stranger to Manson Mitchell, Lauren Archer. How are you today? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. I'm doing great. And wow, 15 times. I like the umpteen. <laughs> umpteen. For umpteen. Shooting for umpteen. Umpteen times. Yeah, that's great. We do go way back. I think it was World Hypnotism Day back in, you know, 2006 Five. or something. That, uh, yeah, I, I sent a press release to yes. several radio stations. There was this, this uh, event called World Hypnotism Day to raise awareness about the power of hypnosis. And Gary picked up that press release. And we had a, a late-night radio conversation, and the rest is history. Yes, we did. I was producing the overnight show on a local radio station in Seattle. And um, you had a different surname back at, at the time, your married name, as it were. And I thought, Lauren, hmm, I've got to call her and, and see if we can not arrange an interview. Because back in the day, not to make, not to belabor, but uh, there was a tough time overnight getting quality guests, or any guests for that matter. And I kept asking around the station, well, have you tried? 
do you bother to call anybody to see if you can book them at one in the morning? And there you were saying yes. And you did a beautiful hour. I'll never forget it. And I thought, we really can do this overnight stuff and actually have interviews with quality guests. It's much easier, of course, when you're talking on a Saturday morning in Seattle on 1150 KKNW. Of course, this is like home base to you. So true. So true. Got to love what's going on in Seattle. And, you know, times have changed since then. We didn't have social media uh, to the extent we do now. And now we're able to really tap into a lot of information and communicate with a lot of people. And it's great to get the message out about all the different ways that we can motivate ourselves. And, um, you know, when, when we're struggling with just about anything, we can find people who can help support us. And that's, that's pretty awesome. And speaking of helping to support people, we are going to help support people today. Very, very excited that you are starting an entirely new program with a new website. We, we've known you from partly from the book that you wrote, Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. Enjoy that book. It's a, a great little book that you can turn to any page and it will help you change a habit you'd like to change. Lauren, when I met you for the very first time, you were doing a hypnotherapy session at um, the local hospital, uh, Evergreen Hospital, and I participated that day and picked an item and you brought everybody into a very relaxed state. And I have to say that for probably the next 30 days or so, I, the habit that I was trying to eliminate was eliminated, at least for a month. Now you're doing something that is um, a, a whole new program and about mindfulness. But I wanted to ask you, first off, what, what do you see as the difference, if there is any, between self-hypnosis and mindfulness? Well, there's a, there's a big difference. Mindfulness is, you know, it's, it's hard to define, but it is bringing your attention to the present moment. Um, and what does that mean? I mean, what does anyone, what do any one of us have to be aware of in the present moment? We can be aware of what's right in front of us, the sounds, taste, smells, sights, textures. And oftentimes we, we miss that because our minds are so busy thinking about the past or the future, thinking about all the things that we have to do that we're worried about, uh, thinking about the regrets that we have from the past, thinking about other people and situations and commitments in our lives. And those habits of thinking about the past and the future tend to create stress and worry and anxiety and fear in our body. And so mindfulness is the art of bringing one's attention to the present moment. And if you're trying to change a habit or if you're trying to be more successful, the art of paying attention to your attention is a skill. And that's something that you can learn. And then you can begin to work with that to identify what are those thoughts that are getting in my way? What are those beliefs about myself that are getting in my way? So I really see mindfulness and hypnotherapy uh, or self-hypnosis going hand in hand because you can't change what you're not aware of. And mindfulness is, is the practice of becoming aware of what 
you're doing with your attention in the present moment. So does that make sense? Being aware of what you're doing in the present moment, it takes me back and looking over various of your biographies, Lauren, I thought, wow, I could go any one of six ways here. And, and I thought, you know, I'd sort of stitch it together in my mind. I remember when the days, and I can just picture you in this dingy office going, when am I going to get out of here? I'm having to take the ashtrays out of the room while I'm trying to get my clientele off the ciggies. They're working with smokers, smoking cessation. And I thought, given the books that you've written, Given who you are and where you are presently, you can look at that as a textbook case of how to deal with mindfulness. If somebody is working with you because they want to pay attention at work, they want to give more attention to their spouse or their kids, all of the above, it's pretty difficult to do if all you can strenuously do is think about the next time you can get 25 feet away from the building where you work so that you can smoke again. Yes, now, that's one that. kind of... Yeah, it's one kind of mindfulness, but it isn't healthy. Right, right, that's true. Well, and I work a lot with um, with weight loss and with uh, people who have, let's call it either food addictions. Um, you know, a lot of people self-identify as emotional eaters, and that is a habit that uh, can be really hard to break because it's it's subconscious. And what's happening in that moment when people can begin to bring mindfulness to what they're actually doing. And this is not the same as just paying attention to what you're eating, but it's like what, what are the thoughts and the feelings that I'm experiencing in my body and, um, and how can I use that information? A lot of times it, it, it does require working with a coach because, you know, you can see it for yourself, but then how, how do you make that shift? So that's where I come in. I help work with my clients on, you know, what's actually happening when you're in that moment, when you're finding yourself robotically walking to the refrigerator, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, and you, you know, habitually grab for food that you know that you're not supposed to be eating. Uh, so there are a lot of strategies and techniques that we use with a combination of mindfulness and then hypnotherapy and self-hypnosis to change those subconscious behaviors. And that can be really liberating because when people get stuck in those habits that are unconscious, it's so frustrating because obviously if they knew what to do intellectually, they would go ahead and make those changes. And so when you get stuck and you you think you know what you're supposed to do, but you, but you can't get yourself to do it, that's, those are the people that I want to work with because um, I know how hard that can be. I've been there myself. I've had uh, addictive habits myself, and I know how awful and uncomfortable that can be, and it chips away at your self-esteem. So that's been the focus of my work lately. And then just, you know, helping people in general get motivated for eating healthfully and uh, exercising. I mean, that's something that we all, I think everybody could use a little, a little boost of motivation on the, on the upside. Lauren, you, as I said before, I've always thought of you as the hypnotherapist, and you still are, and you say that these two programs go hand in hand. With your now going deeper into mindfulness and working hand in hand with hypnotherapy, do you find that one is an easier place to begin when you're trying to change a habit? Uh, well, I like to do a one-two punch. So 
the mindfulness training that I do with my clients is I teach them how to be aware of what's happening in their bodies, uh, what's happening in the um, in their senses, and that's that's part of mindfulness because again, so many of us are disconnected. We are walking around living our lives in our proverbial heads. We're thinking about what's happening out there, and we're not really tuned into what's happening in here. So I help people identify what's, what's coming in from their bodies. What are the messages from their hearts? I mean, if somebody's an emotional eater, how do we deal with that? How do you, how do you learn how to process your emotions in a way that's compassionate and kind? So working with that on, an, on, a, on a training level, a teaching level, that's something that they can do on their own. And then I provide, usually when I work with a one-on-one client, a, a guided visualization with hypnotic suggestions, and then that addresses their subconscious mind. So the two really work together. Um, it's, it's, yes, hypnosis works on its own, and it works twice as well when you are actively doing the work yourself to learn about your mind and to learn how to train your awareness to, to be in the present and experience the information that's coming through your body. So, you know, these are pretty deep, abstract subjects. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people who are listening can track what we're talking about here, but we can go into some examples if you'd like, if we've got the oh, time. Oh, a- absolutely. And I get what you're saying about the one-two punch because you could do either one of those and and make some changes in your life or you can do both of these things and you're you're talking about one is like a booster for the other exactly exactly uh, yeah let's give, go ahead and give an example of somebody that you've been working with without naming names and mm-hmm. and how that works when you're using both of these things together okay well, so there's an example of a client who has been uh, you know, emotionally eating, and when we sat and talked about what was happening, I, I asked her to feel into her body and notice what comes up for her. And spontaneously, she recalled a memory of when she was in the, the third grade, and all the other little girls had uh, gotten their parents packed their lunch, you know, and they had all these different, uh, you know, the, the Twinkies and the sandwiches and this and that. And, and she opened her lunch. Her mom had put her on a diet at a very early age, and there was one single slice of American cheese. And that was a traumatic experience for her and still showed up in her body, in her emotional field, this awareness of uh, being less than, being shamed because she was too big. Um, and so until we could clear that memory out, um, she was always battling with trying to stay on, an, on a healthy eating plan. And so once we were able to identify, oh, there's that, that feeling in her body, the emotions that were connected with that, and then we were able to clear that out and then help her stick to an eating plan where she always had more than enough and she did not feel deprived or hungry. So that's one example of how uh, these two things can work together. So she became mindful of the experience that she was identifying. It had been below the surface, but now she's aware of it when, when it shows up. 
Another example would be a client that I work with. It's not about weight loss or, or habits, but she's somebody who is in business for herself. And she, um, you know, she came to me when she wanted to leave her corporate job and go do uh, start her own business. So I worked with her on developing courage and the, you know, the self-esteem and the confidence to be able to start her own business and using law of attraction and attracting good clients. Well, then she came back to me a few months later. She said, oh, my gosh, my business is going so well. I now need to, to have your help helping me with work-life balance. So we did some of that, and then we became aware that she had some boundaries that she could be setting with her employees. You know, none of this was, was something she was aware of, but she realized through the coaching process that, oh, I'm kind of I'm giving myself away to my employees. So I helped her come into her body and feel what it feels like to set energetic boundaries so that she could be the kind of leader that she wanted to be. So, again, we do that with mindfulness training and coaching and then uh, seal that, like seal the deal, wrap it up with a bow and create custom um, hypnosis so that she can take that home and listen to it. And then that really reinforces the work we do together. So it's a very powerful combination. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your program in a minute um, because it's a 21-day program. But before we get into the the uh, nuts and bolts about that, I'm thinking about changes that people make over time, gradual changes, let's call them. You make a, a small change here, but then it has this ripple effect that goes on and on. I, in in my opinion, I, I think that when you make gradual changes, they end up being a little bit more permanent, but I also think that they're harder to see when you're making them gradually. And I think about how Gary and I eat now compared to how we used to eat. Uh, years ago, you know, there was way too much junk food in our lives. It was just easy. We were busy. We were working. And, and so we gave in to a lot of pretty unhealthy eating. And, and over a period of years, I don't mean days or weeks or months, but over a period of years, we eat so much healthier now. We have uh, so much of our food is um, organic, it's gluten-free, it's, um, you know, we've lessened sugar down to a minimum, um, dairy, you know, way down. And so I think about habits that we've done over a long period of time. And then every once in a while, Lauren, I will say, Gary, do you realize how differently we're eating now than the way we used to? Because the changes are so gradual, you don't notice them day by day, but there is a buildup. And so how, how can you get people excited about making changes when the more permanent changes might take a while to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, a story that I heard from uh, the amazing Janine Roth, who works a lot with uh, women and eating disorders. And she tells a story about a young, a young woman who had a thing for M&Ms. And the mother took her, you know, brought her to Janine to... Um, to talk about how to get her over this, this compulsion. And instead of taking the M&Ms away, 
she did the opposite. She said, let her have as many as she wants. <laughs> and uh, so the concept was, you know, when we try to, to make it really um, uh, sudden and uh, rigid and dark and we deprive ourselves of all these different things, um, the, the psyche goes into this rebel mode and it, it wants to fight. And whenever you've got an inner fight, an inner battle where, where two parts of you want different things, uh, you're, you're going to experience discomfort and usually uh, the emotions are going to win. In this case, over time, it was a gradual change when this young woman found that she could have as many as she wanted and she could just let herself indulge. Then pretty soon it, it went away. So um, you're right in that gradual approach. It can be very, very helpful making small changes little at a time, reassuring the, um, the primitive part of your brain or the emotional side of yourself that you are going to get enough and that uh, your needs are going to be met. Making sure those emotional needs are met are very, very important in changing habits. And I think that was the, the secondary uh, discovery made by that hypnotherapist. Wasn't she the one that found out that there was a, a problem underneath this M&M's habit because at a stage of treatment, her client was only eating the green ones. <laughs> yes. Well, are those the right. healthier right. ones because they're I green? Some people think so. <laughs> they're good for you. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I, I have something I want to read. It's from your wonderful book, Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits. 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. This is from Lauren Archer, and it ties into what you were just saying a moment ago, Suzanne. So let me read this. This is page 39. Actually, it's page 56. There must be an intro, but this is step 39. Let's put it that way. Identify the smallest possible action step. Break your large objective into incremental components and start small. Whether it's removing a substance from your home, putting your sneakers by the door, or scheduling an event on your calendar, find one positive action step and get started. Taking initiative sets a proactive pattern in motion which reverses the cycle of inertia and negativity. I think of a very mundane example, Lauren. If I am in my head, which I spend a lot of time, and... Um, if I'm obsessing about some dynamic sweeping changes I wish to initiate at my place of worship, for example, I can do that and I can obsess about it, or as is about nightly the case when we're not eating out, Suzanne washes the dishes and I dry them. That's our little system, our compact. Now, if I want to change the world, it sounds ridiculous, but I have come to believe that if you want to be a change agent of any kind, it's a good idea to just dry the dishes because that's a small incremental step day by day. It focuses your mind. It keeps you on task, and that's applicable anywhere in your life. So true. So true. Yes. In fact, I just published an article on my blog. It's called How to Boost Your Motivation in Five Easy Tips. And number three, the tip number three is to create a low bar minimum step. Setting a goal that's too big, too much, or too difficult can actually be anti-motivational. You know, like I said, if you've got a, an inner struggle, you're going to fight against it, and that never works. 
Um, so even if you do aspire to greatness and, and set a big goal, just chunk it down into small steps. You know, you're human. So, and the other thing that that's good for is we're going to have days when, you know, we have some days when we're really positive and, and we have high energy and we're ready to go. And then there are other days where we, we feel drained and depleted. That's part of the cycle of being human. And when you've got a low energy day, having a low bar minimum baby step that you can take gives you a fallback plan. So you may not make those big sweeping changes, but if you can keep the forward momentum with a little bit of success and do, like, let's say it's five minutes of some sort of movement, or maybe it's just, you know, chopping up a few vegetables and, you know, preparing your lunch for the next day, or some small token step, it keeps that forward momentum going, and then you get that that positive feedback that, yes, I'm still doing something uh, that, that's paving the way for my, my path of success. Well, I like that. And I have to use that type of a system in the big projects that I have with regard to decluttering. I have identified these, these pockets in our home where I have things that I know are no longer wanted or needed, like old audio cassettes or old oh VHS my. tapes. And, mm-hmm. and, and so when I, when I see this stuff that's been squirreled away into drawers and closets, I look at it and I think, oh my gosh, that's too much. But if I just take one thing out, just one thing, and I've, lately I've been listening to some audio cassettes and some of them I love, some of them I can't believe I saved. But if I can just listen to maybe one and then pitch it out into the recycle bin, I can't dump my whole drawer. I'm not, I'm not that, that good at releasing and letting go that I can just take the drawer and dump it upside down. But if I can do one a day, it's like little by little by little, I will get everything cleaned out, even if it's just a small step. And so I, I'm a big believer in little steps in getting to the big goal. Yes, and, and when in history have we had as much stuff as we do? Ugh. When in history have we had as much information? and all, I mean, lots of good stuff, lots of stuff to process, and yet it's still a lot of stuff. So, yes, that's part of the, the mindfulness training, too, is to identify your values, identify what's really important. You know, what, uh, what is meaningful and significant. And that requires a little bit of work. Oftentimes we are taught to value what our parents valued or what our culture values or what the educational system or even, you know, unfortunately what the media tells us we should value. And very few people take the time to tune in and say, well, what's really important to me? What are my values? And that's part of, of mindfulness training as well is taking that time to turn in and reflect and make the decisions on what's most important to you. And when you come from that place, then those, those every decision, whether you know, what to put in your body, what to keep in your home, uh, what actions to take in the world, if it's in alignment with your values, it's very clear. When we're, when we're not clear on our values, we have inner conflict. So that, that can be a very powerful use of, of mindfulness training. 
There is so much more to be said about mindfulness training and the 21-day challenge, which will be articulated by our special guest of this hour, Lauren Archer. She is the author of Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. And she has written Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Mastery. What did you do? Give me two copies? Yes. I've got it with two formats here. <laughs> one with the glamorous picture and one that's far more straightforward. I thought I was seeing double. Okay, I guess I was. Lauren Archer, we always love having her with us. <laughs> Going on umpteen times now. Let us take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into more of this mindfulness challenge, the whole concept of it, and, and how you can jump on board. This ought to be very, very intriguing. We are Manson Mitchell, and you're tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. You can do it if you try. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest today, Lauren Archer. Lauren Archer is an author, speaker, hypnotherapist, and certified health coach. Her book I'm holding in my hand is Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. Lauren has also started a new program on mindfulness, and to that end, she has a new website to talk about, 
So Lauren, tell us about the website and about the 21-day program. Okay. Well, so for the last several years, I have created clinical mindfulness programs uh, that are used in a weight loss clinic. Uh, We have a three-month and a six-month program where clients are getting a little something every day to, you know, online to be able to focus their mind on healthy habits. And a lot of my clients uh, have asked me, you know, can you create something that, that I can listen to while I'm on the go? Because, yes, it's great. We all know that thoughts influence your behavior and that guided imagery and hypnotic suggestions work. But we live busy lives, so it can be hard to find time to sit still and meditate. So I did my research on brainwave states and the power of music, and I composed and produced uh, an audio mindfulness program, and I'm launching it. It's called... Uh, the Mindful Morning 21-Day Challenge. And the website is Sound Mindful Living. So it's www.soundmindfulliving.com. And this is a free 21-day challenge. Uh, It is an audio program that you can listen to while you're on the go. It keeps your brain in an alert state, and it delivers over 100 positive suggestions for mindful living, healthy eating, and exercise motivation. And repeated listening allows those messages to sink in. And before you know it, you'll be feeling happier, more inspired, and more mindful of your choices. So you can sign up. It's at uh, Sound Mindful Living. And it's called the 21-Day Mindful Morning Challenge. And what you get is a 25-minute audio that you can just download and listen to while you're going out for a morning walk, and then you'll get daily inspiration for 21 days. And, you know, what you had talked about earlier, Suzanne, making those small changes makes it easier for longer-term habit change. This is so easy. This is something that people can do. They can just listen to. They don't really have to change anything else in their lives. But what's happening is they're getting these positive suggestions uh, on a daily basis with really happy, inspiring, uplifting music in the background. And that, uh, people say it really changes their mood. They find it uplifting. It's motivational. Uh, one person said it was a catalyst in jumpstarting a total fitness program for me. So um, it's something I really encourage everybody to participate in because if you can make an easy change like that and establish it for 21 days, that primes your mind for the potential to make other changes. And making it easy, I think, is, is the best part. I've heard uh, that I, the idea of you can change things in three weeks before. There's something magical about 21 days that, that I have heard um, mentioned that uh, if you can do something for three weeks, then you, you're pretty well establishing it. Did, did, first did you time choose, I ever heard did that. Did you choose that on purpose at 21 days? I remember Dr. Maxwell Maltz in the book, the groundbreaking book, Psycho Cybernetics, said that changing a habit requires 21 days of applied effort so that it starts to feel natural. Absolutely. I think 21 days is the minimum. You know, for, for many people, it takes longer, but 21 days would be an established to, to get something established. You know, I think of it like a seedling. If you're going to plant a seedling, um, in 21 days, you'll get, you know, some, some little baby roots and a little baby sprout. Uh, if you ignore it at, at day 22, it'll probably die, right? <laughs> but 
those first 21 days, if you nurture that habit, you're getting you're getting it established, and then that helps you continue after that. So yes, and also you know a lot of people aren't willing to commit to something longer, but 21 days, yeah, okay, I'll give it a try, right? And that that gives people an opportunity to experience something uh, that I think most people are going to want to keep doing it afterwards. So so far, I've got uh, about 100 and. 40 people in the challenge that are participating together and the, the people who do opt in, uh, so you can opt in on my website. Again, it's totally free, Sound Mindful Living. And you get access to a private Facebook group where you can talk about what you're experiencing with other people in the group and uh, notice how your habits are changing. And we're starting out by rating, you know, where are you on your satisfaction level uh, with, your, with your habits? You know, are you satisfied with how healthfully you eat. Are you satisfied with your exercise? So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you when you start? And then we're going to measure again at the end of the challenge how you're doing and what's changed over those 21 days. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, you started this program on Wednesday, on the first day of spring. But if somebody wanted to start today, would they get the whole 21 days? Absolutely. And so it, it, I, I wanted to start it as a big group so that a bunch of people could do it together. And from now on, it is totally self-paced. So anyone can opt in anytime. And whenever you start, your program will start on the next day. And you'll get 21 days of just a brief, brief little email with a, a, a focus point for the day. So one day it might be focusing on your breathing. Another day it might be focusing on your hopes and dreams. Uh, another day, it might be focusing on being aware of your body or imagining your ideal future. So it's just a little fun uh, focus point, and it helps you to be more mindful of where you're putting your attention and how you're aiming your awareness. Because, you know, a lot of times we, our, our awareness, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I don't know about you. I know that I'm guilty of this myself. Uh, my thoughts are on my to-do list or on the other people in my life, you know, who needs what? What does is, what is my daughter need? What's going on in my son's life? Um, you know, what, what happened in the past? Uh, what do I have to do for work? And so when, we're, when, we're atten- when our attention is not in the present moment, we're missing a lot of our life. And so mindfulness is an opportunity to come back and go, hey, wait a minute, where, where were my thoughts just now? What was I just thinking of? Um, oh, okay, let me remember to come back. Let me come back to myself. Let me come back to this present moment. Let me be grateful for what's here in front of me right now. Let me feel what I'm feeling in my body, the sensations that are all around me. And that allows us to have a richer, fuller experience of life. So what do you Lauren, guys do when, for your... Oh, yeah, when, when people come to you because they want to change habits, what would you say are the top three things that people want to change about their lives? Usually, well, number one is eating. I would say 65, 70% of my practice is people who come to me because they want to change the way they're eating and, and they want to change their body shape, but they, they can't. Uh, they, they, it seems beyond their control for whatever reason. Uh, number two would be alcohol. Uh, a lot of people find that they are drinking more than they would like to be. Uh, wine has, especially out here in the, the suburbs of Seattle, we, we're pretty close to wine country in Woodenville, and it has become so socially acceptable 
and it can infiltrate people's lives. And before you know it, they're drinking, you know, two, three, four glasses in the evening, and it's starting to gradually impact their performance. And these are things that people don't want to talk about, too. So having that, you know, that trust where you know that you talk with somebody uh, behind the scenes and and get some support is helpful. And then number three would probably be uh, smoking. So those are the, the, the biggest things that people come to see me for. Good. Well, I did want to peek a little bit behind the curtain and see, you know, what it, as a society, what is it that people are are looking to change? And it's interesting to me that uh, all of these things are related to our physical well-being. If we don't have our physical well-being, it's hard to tackle the rest of our lives, relationships, finances, career, other things. If, if the body that we're walking around in is, is injured or diseased or, you know, not the way we want it to be. So it seems to me like these top three things are, are pretty basic to our physical well-being in order to have everything else that we would like to have. So true. So true. And I, I think the self-esteem piece is important there, too, because if you are saying, you know, I want to change my eating habits and then your actions aren't following through, then what you've created is a disconnect. And you've created uh, a lack of trust in yourself. If you're not able to keep your promises to yourself, then there is, um, there's, a, there's a lack of trust with yourself. And that plays out into everything in your life. We might try to hide it. We might try to pretend it's no big deal. But that inability to keep your word and follow through is going to chip away at your self-esteem unless you find ways to be more mindful and bring yourself into alignment. And so you know, I come at it from that perspective. I'm launching a new course called Finding Your Why, How to Use Why Power Instead of Willpower. And a lot of people really get hung up on willpower. And what willpower is is one part of your mind trying to literally overpower another. So if you've ever tried to break a habit and you feel like, you know, I've got to, I've got to push really hard, right, and I've got to struggle, uh, I've got to over, override this part of myself that wants it. Um, when you're doing an inner battle like that, one side always loses. And if a part of you is going to lose, then somewhere along the line, it's a no-win situation. Learning how to use why power means being mindful and tapping into your values, getting beneath the surface of that inner battle. Finding your why is identifying the purpose and and bringing yourself into alignment, mind, body, emotions, and spirit. And so that requires a little bit of work, it's, uh, it's, but it's, it's inner work, it's it's thought-provoking. It's the kind of work that is relevant to help you be the person that you want to be. And when you can connect with yourself on that level and, and activate your sense of why in the world, there is no stopping you. You can be really powerful. So that's the kind of uh, fun that I like to have with people is helping them really access their why power. And I think of it like, you know, my last name is Archer, and I think of it like archery. I take a picture of Target out in front of you. And willpower would be your, your aim goes either too far to the left or too far to the right, right? 
and you've got a battle and you're pushing one side or the other. But why power? You are aligned and you're going to go straight for that center point and be very clear on the direction that you're heading. So it's a really fun way to help understand uh, how to change your habits and bring yourself into alignment so you can be the person that you want to be in the world. Let me pull this one out of mothballs, Lauren. I believe it was Emile Coué who said, when the imagination and will are in conflict, imagination invariably wins the day. That's a beautiful quote. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's where a lot of people get stuck. It's that, it's that battle of the will. And willpower is it's important. It's an essential component but it is learning how to align your will uh, from all parts of yourself. So the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. So what a lot of people run into is battles between intellectual and emotional, right? Your intellect says, well, I know I'm supposed to eat a certain way, or I know I'm not supposed to smoke, or I know I'm supposed to you know, do these things. But the emotions, that's where probably the will and the imagination in that quote you, you mentioned, Terry, uh, the emotions may want something else, and they are not logical. They aren't going to necessarily follow reason. And when that gets engaged in a battle, usually the emotions win. And that's, that's what, where a lot of people struggle. So having a guide to help them tap into uh, what's important and bringing that into resonance and alignment is helpful. So that's what I'm doing in the course, uh, Finding Your Why, how to use why power instead of willpower. It's a lot of fun. Was there a question you wanted to ask us earlier, Lauren? It seemed like you were trying to get a question in there and oh, we yeah. were going on. Yeah, so well, what can we tell you? With all of the people that you interview and everything that you learn, I was curious about what you guys do for your mindfulness practice. What do you enjoy to bring more mindfulness into your daily life? Well, my trigger to go into that more constructive activity typically comes when Suzanne yells out from the kitchen, they can't hear you when I'm screaming at the television watching MSNBC and railing against the current administration. <laughs> there, and she points out the futility of this action. And I say, all right, let's go take a walk, but leave the TV on. And so we will go walk around the block maybe a couple of times, and I find that not only does it satisfy minimal exercise requirements, but it also allows us to notice the people, the sights, and the sounds. Even a morning dove on a telephone wire yesterday, remember, Suzanne? Yes. And I said, oh, that reminds me of trips I made to Hawaii in the 90s, where in Honolulu, the sound of the morning dove is ubiquitous. And I thought that is really terrific to just be aware in this instant of that sound coming from that solitary creature on a telephone wire. And I think that's really mindfulness at the level at which I operate right now. Otherwise, you can get on a treadmill of reacting to events and comments to whatever is on the tube or some gossip that people pass on to you. And you wonder if you're really living your life after all. Yeah, good point. How about you, Suzanne? Well, I also enjoy walking. I will occasionally walk by myself. Gary will occasionally walk by his himself. 
But it is good that we do have each other for partners because we will encourage each other. And no is a perfectly acceptable answer. If, if no is the answer, that's fine. But we will say, you know, do you want to walk? And then we kind of encourage each other out there. I have a more focused practice right now. I did it in 2017, but not in 2018. And I picked it up again in 2019. And it's like riding a bicycle. I don't I haven't missed a beat. And that is that I'm doing a daily nightly gratitude journal. So every night before I go to sleep, I pull it out and I think about the day mostly. And occasionally I'll, I'll put something down that I didn't like. But mostly it's the things that I'm really grateful for. And, and so I will look at my day from all the things that worked, all the good in the day. And I find that that really carries me into my sleep in a good frame of mind and also has me, you know, waking up feeling better because I, I know I'm going to be looking for things to be grateful for all during the day so I can write about them at night. So that's, that's what, what I've been doing. I don't know why I didn't do it in 2018, but I, I started it very intentionally in 2017 for the first time where I said, I'm going to do this every single day. And then I, I, in 2018, I said, I think I'll do something else, but I never did pick another item. So in 2019, I said, well, I'm just going to go back and do that journaling again. And it has worked for me uh, in the sense that I have not yet to this day missed a day. Every single day, I will write something down. And it, sometimes it's short and sometimes it's rather long. But I find that it helps focus my attention on the good. Yeah, gratitude journals are probably the most effective way to A, establish a healthy habit, and B, bring yourself into alignment with your values. Because by definition, what you're grateful for is what you value. And just having that habit where you are focusing on that, that's training your mind to focus on what's important to you, on what's beautiful and valuable and meaningful. So, yeah, lovely, lovely practice. You know, I think if, if a person is healthy, and I, I've said this before, if you are not feeling well, if you are physically unhealthy for any reason, either uh, injury or illness, that's the only thing you want. All I want to do is feel better. All I want to do is get better. All I want to do is, is, is feel okay. But once you are in a, a relatively healthy physical state, I think there's all kinds of things that we want, and and that's okay too. That's part of the human condition that that we just want a lot of stuff. Interestingly enough, when I'm writing about what I'm grateful for, it turns out to be much simpler. The everyday things that I'm grateful for, they're occasionally are big things, but almost every day it's just the small things. You know, it's the fact that, you know, we're, we're eating well, that we're getting exercise, that we've had some good conversations with people, that things are, are um, going our way. We, there's some synchronicities, reconnecting with people that we haven't talked to in a while. It's, it's never big and grandiose. It's always just an accumulation of a lot of small things. And I think all those small things really do give our lives that certain quality that we're looking for. 
Absolutely. Yes. Be, be grateful for the little things in your life. For one day, you will look back and realize that they were the big things. We have that quote hanging in our bathroom. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's a matter of fact, Lauren, when we listen to your meditation CDs, which are wonderful. I don't know if you have them, have them available in various forms, but we have the CDs. And long story short, there are certain lines when we do this exercise, which is one thing Suzanne and I do together to be mindful, there we'll just go and lay down for a half hour and listen to one of your CDs. And they're not all a half hour long, but they are all powerful. And what I find is that if I'm listening to something like one day you will pass from this life. What will you take with you? You take the lessons, you take the love, but all the material possessions in the world will mean nothing to you. You take with you the wisdom and the love that you were able to experience and express in this single lifetime. I find that especially powerful. Thank you for that. Yes, that's, that's a piece that I created a long time ago, Awakening Soul. I'm going to be relaunching that in, in video form uh, sometime in the not-too-distant future. So Really? Yeah. A reissue? A video <laughs> reissue? I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I've learned how to edit video, and so uh, part of what I've been doing in creating these online courses is taking these abstract concepts and trying to make them come alive for people using visual imagery. So... If anyone's interested, I hope you'll come check out Sound Mindful Living. Uh, I'm developing a, a full online course. The first one is called Finding Your Why, How to Use Why Power Instead of Willpower. And it's uh, co combining mindfulness training with guided visualization, uh, which is kind of a, a cousin to hypnotherapy, to help you really live, live your best life. So thank you guys so much uh, for, for your uh, feedback on the, the CDs. Nobody's really, you, you know, nobody uses CDs anymore, which is great because of the environment, right? So we're, we're doing everything right. digitally now. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm happy about that. We still, we've replaced our CD player two or three times over the years because we just wear them out. And, and the, That's our version of the Victrola. Right, our, our old Victrola. But we also, I, I like um, your daily intention. Set your daily oh, intention yeah. because... In that one, it talks about all the different aspects of our beingness and having everything work together. And then it says now, you know, put your daily intention into these aspects of you that are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and, you know, have that all be in alignment. And so that's one I particularly like as well. I wanted to get this in. We got about a minute and a half. I wanted to say, Lauren, I have your next book title for you. What a project. Finding your why. <laughs> it, that would be beautiful. Finding your why, because I've found in my own life and I've heard from many others that if you have a why, the how often shows up unexpectedly, suddenly, and now you are on the path to greatness. But finding your why is the toughest part for a lot of people, and I've faced that myself. Now, that would be a gem of a book. Well, I think uh, that's a great great idea, Gary. I'm going to take that to heart because creating the online course, I will have all of the content available right there and can just put it into book form. Actually, there is an ebook in the Finding Your Why course. So it's a 30-page ebook uh, called Finding Your Why, How to Use Why Power Instead of Willpower. So uh, yeah, and, and you're right. It's bringing those aspects of yourself, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's not just about what's happening out there. 
It's also Mm -hmm. about what's happening in here, who you are, who you get to become, how you show up in your life and what you experience. Lauren Archer, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a great pleasure, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you guys so much. It was a gift and an honor to be here. Send lots of love your way. Okay. Have a great have a great weekend, everyone. This is AM eleven fifty. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.